Side Hustle Show 198, blogging, branding, book writing, and finding the right side hustle for you. 20 questions with Nick. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Just got back from two weeks of vacation. Jet lag's got me up at 4.15 this morning, ready to rock and roll. This week, we're taking a break from the interview format and diving into the listener mailbag again for another edition of 20 Questions with Nick. Lots of fun and challenging questions came in over the last three months, and I've selected 20 to run through today for your listening pleasure and hopefully benefit if you're in the same boat as these uh, listeners were. Notes and links for this one are at sidehustlenation.com slash Q&A2. Looks like Quanda2, Q&A2. Of course, if you have a question, feel free to send it over to nick at sidehustlenation.com. I can't guarantee an email response, though I do do my best to answer those, but you just might be featured in the next round of 20 questions. Before we dive in, let me take a moment to thank today's sponsor, FreshBooks.com. The all-new FreshBooks makes it easy to get your accounting under control. Finally, the software that's transformed how freelancers, side hustlers, and small business owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork has been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for the way we work. Visit FreshBooks.com slash SideHustle to start your 30-day free trial today. I'll be back to tell you a little bit more about FreshBooks before we wrap the last couple questions of this episode. Ready? Let's do it. Question number one comes from Jack. He says, my roommate and I have lots of guitars lying around. I'm just in need of a good online website with a good store. I have a website here that cost me near $750, if not more, and I don't make any income on it. I'm trying to build another site to be more effective. So Jack, if your goal is to sell guitars, why not list them on eBay, on Craigslist, on Amazon, or someplace that already has buyers? You know, whatever fee they charge is probably less than the cost and the headache of setting up your own e-commerce site and driving traffic there. Now, if it's something where you have a steady stream of guitar inventory coming in, or you know how to source these things uh, cheaply, and it's something you want to turn into a business, it's absolutely a smart idea to try and build your own online storefront for it, probably using you know a software like Shopify. But I would want to see some validation and some cash flow before making that investment, before building that. Question number two comes from Danny. It says, how can I use my years of knowledge as a teacher to change people's lives? Great question, Danny. One way would be to take that classroom teaching knowledge and put it online, like uh, my friend Gabby Wallace talked about on a recent episode of the Side Hustle Show uh, with her business, GoNaturalEnglish.com. What happened was she was teaching English in Japan and began posting tutorial videos on YouTube based on what her students were asking her. So those videos were primarily for her students, but she set them to public on the YouTube settings, and that ultimately led to more people discovering them It led to one-on-one tutoring opportunities. It led to advertising income and to the creation of her own paid online courses. If you want to check out how she did it, uh, visit sidehustlenation.com slash Gabby, and that'll get you over to that episode. Question number three comes from William. I am in desperate need of a side hustle because I have two kids and I'm in need of some extra cash. My kids are two years old and six months old. My wife works weekend nights and I work banker's hours, so I need something I can do from home. I'm thinking of starting a blog or just writing a book. The book or blog would be paranormal in nature. My dad told my siblings and I a lot of his own stories when we were growing up and gave me permission to write them down. Ghost stories are popular, whether you believe in them or not, so I figured I'd give it a shot. The other idea I have was maybe drop shipping, but the ghost stories just seem like it would be more fun. What are your thoughts? 
So I obviously like self-publishing as a side hustle, but it may not be the fastest or most lucrative income journey. Especially on the fiction side, it seems like the hits are big when they come, but it can be really tough to really tough to crack. Fiction traditionally sells more than nonfiction, but it's I think a narrower gap uh, or a narrower band of of authors that are really having success there. Now William mentions that the ghost stories would be more fun, and I think that's that's actually an important element too. Like in just uh, just a few weeks ago on the show, I spoke with Adam Hoagie, who started his self-publishing empire, now with more than 100 titles, from a similar position. He said he was more concerned with spreading a message than he was with the immediate income from it. So if, if you're going to go down the self-publishing route, I would kind of approach it, hey, this is going to be a fun kind of hobby thing. I can turn my dad's stories into, you know, get them out to a wider audience, and it'll be fun. And like, you know, going down that path. Now, if you're in need of quick cash, I probably wouldn't look at, you know, Kindle publishing, I would look either at some sort of freelance service you could offer, or you could try your hand at flipping products, you know, starting without a huge capital outlay, depending on what, you know, what you're comfortable investing, what you really need to to earn. Now, drop shipping, you mentioned drop shipping, uh, can also be inexpensive to start. And if you want to go down that path, I definitely recommend taking a listen to my chat with Anton Crayley from dropshiplifestyle.com where he lays out his steps to start a dropshipping business in episode 189 of the Side Hustle Show. You can find that one at sidehustlenation.com slash dropshipping. Question number four comes from Greg. He says, what do you make your PDF books with? And I told Greg, hey, man, I just use Microsoft Word or PowerPoint. So when you go to save, you can uh, just select the file type in this little drop-down menu, and I choose PDF. So easy, no fancy software over here. That's uh, That's what's going on. Question number five comes from Elizabeth. She asks, do you know of any podcast, website, et cetera, that reviews software tools, tech for the side hustler? And I don't mean like a bland endorsement thing, but more of an in-depth discussion or look at how the side hustler uses the various tools like FreshBooks, like Trello, like Aweber. I want something like a CNET, except directed towards solopreneurs or like your content when it specifically focuses on hacks or tools. So this was a really interesting question from Elizabeth in the first resource that came to mind was actually my friend Dave's site called fitsmallbusiness.com. Fitsmallbusiness.com, they review a ton of different tools pretty in-depth. Now, like any review site, he is monetizing with affiliate links, but I think he does a nice job with the write-ups and the comparisons and trying to keep things unbiased. So check that one out, fitsmallbusiness.com. Question number six comes from Danielle. She says, I really want to branch out and explore making profits for my blog. How can I get started? What's the first thing I should know? Thank you for your time and assistance. So I checked out Danielle's site, and while it was very nicely designed, had a nice theme, the content to me was confusing, and it was on a WordPress.com domain. She's got stuff on home decor, on relationships, on jobs, on cooking, on do-it-yourself projects, on health. And so I asked, you know, I told Danielle, hey, you know, who's the target audience for your blog? In looking at the site, it's not immediately apparent who it's for and why I should read it. Like, what am I going to get? What, why am I here? What's in it for me? So I think uh, I think she needs to narrow down uh, her focus on that. After that, I would consider moving it onto your own domain name. It'll cost you ten to fifteen dollars a year for the domain, and then another four to ten dollars a month for hosting with a company like Bluehost. But it's an important step in establishing a professional site. So I've been using GoDaddy for years for the domain registration. I think if you Google GoDaddy, you'll see an ad or you probably will see an ad 
I'm at the top of Google for, you know, get your first year of domain registration for just 99 cents. That's my little GoDaddy hack. Problem with GoDaddy is their checkout is really confusing. They try and upsell you a bunch of crap that you don't need. So don't, don't get sucked into that. But, you know, that's what I use for my domain registration. Question number seven comes from Kieran. He says, I've just completed what looks like a 12,000 word blog post on how people working in digital agencies or freelancers can best manage client conflict. Would you suggest putting this out there as an ebook or posting it as a blog post for epic SEO juice? I don't know. 12,000 words seems almost too long for a blog post. I mean, I've published posts up to 7,000, 7,500 words, but 12,000 even seems long just for me. I told Kieran I think this could serve as a nice lead magnet or a big time authority builder if you were to put it up on Amazon as a Kindle book. And I guess that's an important question to ask with any piece of content you create. Like, what's the point of this? What do I hope to achieve with this by putting this out into the world? And how how is this going to get me closer to my goals? So I asked Kieran if he already had a blog for freelancers and digital agencies. And he said yes, and that he'd been posting on it weekly for about a year. So he decided to go the lead magnet route with this piece of content to kind of capitalize on the traffic he was already uh, already getting. Question eight comes from Francis. Francis says, I am from Nigeria and I've been worried about some of the restrictions placed on Nigerians by big companies like PayPal and Amazon, where we are not allowed to participate in the services they offer. Please, is there any way to work around these restrictions? Is it going to be an unethical thing to do if I change my IP address and register to use these services as a citizen of another country? That's a really good question and actually really frustrating that a few bad players have essentially blacklisted the country for everyone else. Like trying to run a legit business from Nigeria puts you in a, in a really unfortunate position like Francis is in it. I ran into some similar issues, not probably to, to the extent that he's experiencing with Amazon when they shut down their affiliate program in California. And I actually had to lease an apartment in Nevada and, and change my address. And it was just a huge and expensive pain. So other people I know, how they've gotten around this, like other people I know have set, up, have set up their account with either a friend or family member in another state or another country, but it's definitely a gray area. I would probably caution against going the, you know, proxy IP address route. It's kind of like the, you know, the question of, is it unethical to steal bread to feed your starving family? Like, yeah, it's a temporary band-aid that doesn't really solve the root of the problem. So what I do is I'd ask around with any peers, you know, if you have any peers who are doing business online uh, locally or in some Facebook groups, there's, you know, tons of entrepreneurial Facebook groups. Um, the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group is one that I guess I'll plug, sidehustlenation.com slash FB. We'll get you over there. If you can ask around, hey, has anybody else dealt with this issue, um, how they've, you know, figured out their solution? Or, you know, hey, if this if these doors are closed, you know, there's going to be another window that's open. So look for other opportunities that are open in your country. Question number nine comes from Mohammed. He says, I follow a lot of Gary Vaynerchuk's work and yours, of course, and the recurring theme out of both of you is that you show people how they can monetize from who they are as individuals. My question to you is, how can I monetize from my character and personality? Is there such a thing? So, Mohammed, I'm all for personal branding and standing behind your work and signing your name to things that you're proud of, but I think monetizing your character or personality is tough to do. Like, we follow Gary because we think he's going to help us in our business. He's a successful entrepreneur, and we can learn a lot from him. I don't think, and I could be wrong on this, Mom, that anyone is listening to me 
because it's me. People are listening because hopefully the content is helpful and useful. You know, remember the, the rule of the internet. People are only ever online for two reasons. Number one, to solve a problem, or number two, to be entertained. And for me, a lot of times Gary checks both of those boxes. So that's really the question for Muhammad is how can he use his unique character and personality to stand, to stand out online to solve problems or be entertaining or both? Question number 10 comes from Sean over at FamilyRocketShip.com. He says, I was looking on your site about what microphone you use, and it looks like it's the Audio-Technica ATR2100. Is that still what you're using? If you were to start over today and wanted to spend around $200 in total, what would you go with? The Heil seems crazy. That's the Heil PR of 30. And I've heard good things about the Blue Yeti. Yep, I'm still rocking the ATR2100 over here. From talking with other podcasters, it seems to be the 8020 mic. Um, like 80% of the sound quality for 20% of the cost of some of the higher-end studio mics. Plus, in Sean's case, he's traveling around all the time. That's part of his brand. You don't want to mess around with carrying a mixer. And so this one just plugs directly into USB. It's currently $79 on Amazon. It's gone up a little bit since uh, since I bought it three years ago. Question number 11 comes from Dave from Kindlepreneur.com. Last month, Dave took the leap and became a full-time entrepreneur on the back of his self-publishing business, his blog, and his new software tool, KDP Rocket. Congrats, Dave. We were talking about his own we were talking about his home office setup, boundaries, and balance. He asked, when you became a full-time onliner, what were some things you did to get your life in order? And Dave, for me, it wasn't as big of a deal for us because my wife was still going to work every day. But years later, like actually just this year, when she was on maternity leave, it was a bit more of a challenge. Like I would let her know when I had meetings and wouldn't be available to help, but that left pretty much all the other times open. And those were the times that I needed to like get my other work done. So it was, it was just like a frustrating and stressful time for both of us on top of dealing with a newborn that was just a barfing machine. And just that was like a really tough time, very stressful. We were very much in the like, why did we do this again stage? But today, you know, things are kind of back to some semblance of normalcy. The kid is in daycare four days a week. We both have Fridays off. And I don't schedule any meetings for those days. I call it no meetings Fridays. And we we communicate to each other like, hey, if we need if I need a few extra hours to catch up on email, or get something done on those days, that's totally fine. Likewise, if she's, you know, has a photo shoot or she's doing something for her side hustle on those days, or if she needs to go into her office to get some things done, like totally fine, we'll we'll work that out. But but it's like I could work forever and never be done. So it's trying to find that balance you know, that's, that's still something that we, that we work on. It's a, it's an ongoing, an ongoing process for sure. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor Taylor Brands is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. 
A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. Question number 12 comes from Castro. He says, is this just a young person project? And specifically, he was asking about Elizabeth Colgrove's Seven Houses by 27 Real Estate Empire. But I think the question applies to really all flavors of side hustles. And of course, the answer is absolutely not. There are no age restrictions in Side Hustle Nation and making extra money never goes out of style. Question 13 comes from Subhash in India. He says, I work as a teacher in a private school. My wife is a web developer. To be frank, both of our incomes are pretty meager and we find it hard to meet our expenses. So I was thinking of doing some online or freelance work. My wife registered in some freelance websites to get some web development work, but it didn't work. How can I get some work in web development? So Subhash, there's really a lot of content in the archives related to getting started as a freelancer. You can find that at sidehustlenation.com slash freelancing. And the good news is web development skills are certainly in demand. A couple episodes I recommend starting with would be uh, number 167, or sorry, 176 with Matt Inglot. That's um, all about his freelance transformation from kind of doing, being an order taker and building $300 websites all the way up to what he does now and, you know, working on $20,000 projects as he kind of positioned himself more as a consultant, but is like about his journey, working up the value chain and what he's, what he's done to get to that point. The other episode I recommend is Gina Horky on episode 164. She talks about getting started as a freelancer and proactively pitching clients, and she had some, some interesting stuff to share uh, on that front as well. So check those out, and, uh, and best of luck in getting some, some freelance work. I love it. Question 14 comes from Matt. He asks, what do you know about qualifying a blogger blog for AdSense? So Matt, I've heard that blogger.com, wordpress.com, weebly.com, wix.com, etc. These sites that, you know, give you a free website, but they're hosted on somebody else's domain. They're hosted on blogger.com, for example. They're going to sit in AdSense approval limbo forever. That's my understanding of it. If you move your site to your own domain and hosting, I think you're going to have an easier time getting approved. And you get, again, you can try my GoDaddy hack of just Googling GoDaddy, and then you can get the domain for 99 cents when you click on their ad. You're going to have to buy your own hosting, but it's just a few bucks a month, and getting started out, you know, a shared hosting provider like Bluehost is going to be uh, just fine for you. Question 15 comes from Brandon. He asks, how can I freelance my customer service skills? I've been complimented on those skills many times and want to make some extra cash. Any ideas? Okay, so Brandon, in the customer service space, um, Gina, who we just mentioned, actually landed uh, some virtual freelance uh, clients doing customer service, customer support. My friend David Hutcherson is doing similar work this year. They What they did was they went after online business owners who were selling products and had a decent following, had a decent business, and kind of had the need for some support staff. To They were kind of at that stage where they wanted to outsource that. Another angle to consider might be something like Crowdio, crowdio.com which calls itself the world's best part-time job. So it's got that going for it. What they do is they kind of connect you with companies that need on-demand live chat uh, support agents. So you can kind of work your own schedule and help answer customer service inquiries for these different companies. A larger undertaking, if you're really serious about, you know, becoming a customer service consultant, for example, kind of moving up the value chain, would be to reach out to companies with crappy Yelp reviews or TripAdvisor reviews and see if you can set yourself up as the, as the go-to customer service guru to fix this painful and expensive problem for them. I'm really curious to hear if you get any traction on that. So definitely keep us posted um, if, you go down, if you go down that path. 
Question 16 comes from John. John says, hey, Nick, I just got your new book. What were the best and worst parts of the writing process? Interesting question, John. I don't think anyone else has asked me that. The best part of the writing project is really the best part of any new project, and that's the excitement of you know coming up with the idea and the initial stage, like the honeymoon phase of the project, which for me was quickly followed by the overwhelming feeling of like how much work it's going to be. So it's like this high and low right at the beginning. This book was actually really fun. This is by Buttons. Um, it was actually really fun to, to try and form a big picture thesis and come up with the supporting examples and stories. Like I felt, I felt like a real author for not, not the first time, but like I felt like a real author, which was cool. Like I was doing my research. I was finding sources of con- conducting these interviews. And along the way, I was sharing the progress with my launch team, which was really kind of a fun way for them to get a behind the scenes look at, at everything that was going on. Um, on top of that, the early feedback from the book has been really rewarding. I think it's over 50 or 55 five-star reviews right now on the U.S. Amazon store, plus, uh, you know, maybe 10 or 15 from other countries around the world. Really, really cool stuff. People, people are taking action. They're learning about these new side hustle ideas and they're taking action. And for me, that's, that's really rewarding. So my hope is that it turns into a worthwhile long-term asset for, for Side Hustle Nation. One of the more difficult parts of the book was letting go. Like I could sit there and tweak sections and add stories and do yet another round of proofreading, you know, and this could go on for weeks. But ultimately I had a deadline where I wanted to ship and get it out into the world. And so, you know, I didn't get done all of the, you know, marketing support stuff that I wanted to, but ultimately you got to ship, you got to release it. And so that's, yeah, and, I, and I guess that's the beauty of self-publishing. I can update it anytime I want in a matter of hours. So if you if you are, if you want to check out the book, you can do so at buybuttonsbook.com. Buybuttonsbook.com. And question 17 comes from Alexandra. She says, I'm trying to do research to create an online course to help small business owners with the tech aspect of getting online, creating a website, setting up an email service provider, sales funnels, automation, etc. I want to be sure there is a market for this before I put in all the work to create the course. Instinctively, I feel there is, but I was burned before by not researching. The research is killing me, though. Do you have any tips on how to validate my idea? I don't have a good-sized email list, so there's not a good avenue for me to try. I thought this was a great question from Alexandra, and the answer that I gave her and the answer that I'll give here is just read Will It Fly by Pat Flynn. He goes through this exact scenario with step-by-step instructions. I just read it myself. You can get your copy at willitflybook.com. If you're in Alexander's position, it's $7 or however much he has it priced it at. Really well spent to learn how to validate your idea before pouring too much time and money into something if there's really no demand for it. Question 18 comes from Judine. She says, I just purchased your book, but do not own a Kindle. What do I do? Help. By the way, you're awesome. Judine, you are awesome too. Shoot first, ask questions later. I love it. So I actually don't have a Kindle either, but I do all my Kindle reading with Kindle app on my iPad. So Kindle makes an app for pretty much every device. And on top of that, they also support a cloud reader, what they call the cloud reader, which is basically a desktop version of that app. There's also a paperback edition of the book and the audiobook version is pending approval as we speak. So lots of options for you. You don't have to have a Kindle to, uh, to read the book. We've got a couple more questions to dive into, but before we get to those, let's take a minute to thank today's sponsor, which is FreshBooks.com. So I've been telling you about their innovative cloud accounting service for a while, which started as a side hustle, by the way. The software was built specifically for freelancers, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs like us, and was just redesigned from the ground up to make it even easier to use. Let's talk about invoicing for a minute, because everyone needs a way to get paid, and this was the feature that first drew me to FreshBooks. First, it's easy. You can use FreshBooks to create and send invoices in about 30 seconds. 
No formatting, no formulas, just really simple, clean, professional-looking invoices. Second is customization. You can add your own logo and color scheme so that your invoice reflects your brand. Number three, insight and tracking. When you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks will show you whether or not they've opened it, whether or not they've seen it, which puts an end to those guessing games. Fourth, you can request a deposit, so you can invoice a payment up front when you're kicking off a longer-term project. And fifth is online payments. With just a couple clicks, you can set yourself up to receive payments online, and your clients will love being able to pay by credit card straight from that invoice. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial for Side Hustle Show listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash side hustle or enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle for your free 30-day trial. Question 19 is a two-parter because I received a couple uh, very similar notes. The first comes from Carlos, kind of a lengthy email, so bear with me uh, as we go through this. Carlos says, I've been a follower of Side Hustle Nation for some time now, but I've been struggling on finding the right side hustle to really pursue. All of the advice suggests that you pick something you're really passionate about. Deciding on a course with only a desire for money or prestige is a recipe for failure. While everyone has their own skills they can leverage in whatever venture they decide to pursue, the advice I've been struggling to find is how to match your particular and unique set of skills to a side hustle. Let's be honest, having a single particular skill that nobody else in the world has is dang near impossible, but a unique skill set, much more feasible. I'll use myself as an example, and he lists these skills and attributes. Proficiency in IT-related skills like database management, coding, etc. Fairly well-spoken, charismatic, athletic, and fairly physically fit. A passion for personal finance and anything else fitness-related. At the risk of sounding like I have a huge ego, I could add to the list, but I think you get the idea. While many people have these individual skills, the first two in particular seem to be an uncommon pairing, if not downright rare. Walk into the typical IT department and try to spark up a conversation if you think I'm exaggerating. So my core question is the following. How do you analyze your unique range of skills and qualities in order to find the highest potential side hustle venture? I'm sure there could be whole books dedicated to this question, but just wondering what thoughts you had. Thanks for giving this a read, and from a fellow Washington State resident, a big go Hawks. So, Carlos, of those skills and attributes, which has you most excited? Which do you see turning into a business? What do people ask you for help the most with? One thing I like to consider might be to try and find an intersection or what I call a sweet spot in between two or more worlds that you have your feet in. So you mentioned IT support, software development, web development, and maybe you could pair that by targeting professionals in the fitness space. Or it could be something fitness-related for people in finance. Like something like that that combines the two in a way that few other people would target or few other people would have kind of the inside track, the inside industry connections and knowledge that it sounds like you have. And the second part of this question comes from Brian. Uh, Brian, also a Seattleite, says, I discovered your podcast two weeks ago and have binged on about 30 episodes since. Thank you so much. I've built a successful engineering career and, quote, won the rat race, quote, before turning 30. Six-figure income, full-time work from home, but I feel it's time to shift away from hourly pay. My current family situation is this. We've got um, Seattle rent, plus two teenagers and a wife starting her business. It makes it tough to make a radical change now, but I want to start laying the groundwork for transition. My question is this. I have a ton of ideas, some adjacent to my expertise and others not. I draw mazes, I play the drums, and have conceptualized a board game. How do you choose what to do first, or do you follow multiple parallel paths? What criteria helps you pick the next step? So Brian, I would pick one thing to work on at a time to start out, which you know probably sounds weird coming from me. It's like the old chase two rabbits catching on butchering Confucius quote. How to decide what to do first. My friend Chandler Bolt shared this selection criteria or some variation of it on the podcast a couple years ago. Which of these ideas are you most excited about? Same question I asked Carlos. 
which are you most likely to see through to completion or validation? And the third question, which one can you do the fastest? Which one are you likely to reach the finish line to see some results? Uh, you know, which one are you most likely to, to actually execute on? The danger in chasing multiple parallel paths is not getting the reward of results, not getting the reward of validation, yay or nay. It's just like, oh, I'm just kicking the can down the road on, you know, three or four different things at once. Whereas if I could, you know, try one thing, fail, try another thing, fail, try another thing, and it hits, and you you kind of are learning along the way versus, you know, spreading yourself thin on all these different things. I don't know, that's my take. You know, if you guys have comments on this one, definitely let me know what Brian should do. Uh, your take on that at sidehustlenation.com slash Q&A2. Final question, question number 20 comes from Joshua. He says, I've got $100. Do you know or have any ideas on how I can flip it and make maybe $200? If you got any ideas, please let me know. Joshua, I bet you could double your money on eBay or Craigslist. Check out Rob, the flea market flipper in episode 147. Check out Daryl on eBay or kind of Craigslist eBay flipper on episode 178. And check out Ryan from recraigslist.com in episode 72 to hear how they got it done. Absolutely doable and a great way to multiply your money in a hurry. That's it for me. Notes and links from this episode are at sidehustlenation.com slash Q&A2. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where we'll be doing another Where Are They Now episode with one of the most popular guests from last year. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 